I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. So, Cammy. Yes. I almost s- voted to scrap the uh, the idea for doing this movie this morning because uh-huh. I had I had a brainstorm where we would be doing all the like Universal monster remakes or reboots or whatever uh-huh. movies that have come out in the past ten years. Oh boy. Because you got the Invisible Man. Uh-huh. You got you got the uh, Daniel Radcliffe Frankenstein. Oh yeah. You have Del Toro Wolfman. Uh huh. And you have Tom Cruise Mummy. Yes. That's that's four movies right there. Yes. But the problem is, other than the Invisible Man, in my eyes, they're all terrible. Yeah, I like uh, I like the Wolf Man. I actually really enjoyed that one. But uh, that you are largely correct. We share we share the same <laughs> opinion about those movies. Not good. And you know, it. I'm just I'm so bummed out about it because, like, what the fuck? Like, what are they doing wrong? I know. I mean, The Mummy, like, they've never made, maybe not the third one, but all the Mummy movies before Tom Cruise were good. Oh my god, yeah. Not all of them. The third one sucked. But the first two were fine. Really good, actually. I love the first one. Ugh, so good. And and since they essentially recycled the plot, except with Tom Cruise and a lady mummy, like, it it should have worked. Tom Cruise could, should have been able to do that. Yeah. But no. And then the Frankenstein one was hot garbage from the opening narration. I was checked out within minute two. I never saw it. I I didn't see any of the really crappy ones, but I know that they're crappy. Fucking Daniel Radcliffe plays Igor, the hunchback freak. And he's giving... <laughs> Jesus. He's giving his whole thing like, oh, I was born a, a mutant freak. I was sold to a circus where they beat me horribly. Mm-hmm. Also, naturally, I was the circus's doctor. And just that one what? line of like, what? Why would they trust you with such Naturally. an important job? You're the hunchback freak. What? That's so silly. Uh, they just like shoot so... themselves in the foot every time they decide to like add on to the dark universe. Like, oh no, this will yeah. stick. This this will be good. This will be fine. And the only one that's worked was this one, which they decided wouldn't be part of any dark universe with the universal monsters because of how terribly yes. the other ones have gone <sighs> and this one's really and, good i love this and movie. i could be mistaken i don't think this movie relates to the source material at all except for the fact that there's a man who is invisible yeah it's yeah i don't think so either but i from what i understand of the original invisible man story this is much better yeah um I think it kind of would have been cool if there was a sort of extended universe where they all match up, you know, they all sort of intertwine with each other, because then Elizabeth Moss could be the Invisible Man, you know, because she has the suit now. She does. So. I don't want there to be a sequel because this movie was so perfect. I don't want a sequel, but... But but I I also want to know what Elizabeth Moss, Moss is doing with that suit now. Yeah. Maybe she's using it for good. That was my thought, where she just finds abusive, rich people and then just invisible mans them to death. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Makes them I think s- they're crazy I... and kills them. That's one of my, like, you know, oh, if I had a superpower, what would I do? I want to have telekinesis and I want to uh, nonstop prank rich people, like, to drive them insane level of nonstop. <laughs> like, every time they stand up, I'm going to pull their pants down with my psychic powers. Yes. Every single time. That's until hilarious. they kill themselves. <laughs> oh my god, Kyle. You're insane. You're a monster. Oh, I better be. <laughs> uh, so, welcome one and all. Spooky time presence. The Invisible Man 2020. Yeah, welcome to the I fifth am... episode. Oh. Uh, that has nothing of to do with... our vampire month. The rest of the month. I think this has been explained before, uh, but yeah, the fifth episode of all of our seasons from now on is going to be sort of a wild card 
we'll either talk about a recent movie like this that we haven't talked about, that we never made an episode about. We'll talk about, uh, uh, we might do some past movies. Yeah, some redos that we've done already that maybe we didn't love the way the episode came out. So we'll try it again with a different format. Um, yeah. Welcome to Wild Card fifth episode of season two of 2021. Here we are. Here we are. Mm -hmm. I'm one of your hosts. I'm the inkylable man. (laughs) Oh, oh no. I didn't come up with a clever name. Hold on. Hi, I'm Cammy, And I... Nope. Nothing. (laughs) Blank. (laughs) I'm Cammy, and there's someone sitting in that chair. I'm Cammy, and... I am just a suit made out of lots of tiny cameras. That's all I am. Oh, if only I could be a a suit of cameras. Yes, and Cammy, you know that joke people make of like at Halloween or costume parties, you go as the quote unquote invisible man so that you because you're not actually there. Yes. Uh, Jarrett is co-hosting today as the Invisible Man because he is not actually here. <laughs> Jarrett will join us in a few weeks whenever we come back. Um, Three. But for now, he uh, he is not here today. Uh, but yeah, regardless, we uh, I think this was your idea, Kyle, wasn't it? We wanted to talk about this movie today. I That's think so. Yeah, I think this was on my list of movies options. Good. Okay. But yes. This was such a good movie, and I forgot it came out in 2020. Yeah, this one was, like, it came out, like, a month before they closed all the theaters, I think. Um, Just under the wire. Mm-hmm. This was the last movie that Taylor saw before they closed the theaters, which are oh. open again. I just re- I just restarted my um, AMC A-list membership. Oh, you get to go see Mortal Kombat in theaters. <laughs> I wanted to see Godzilla versus Kong, like in one of the like the Dolby Theater at the Barrington AMC, but I don't know if it's still there. It really should be like nothing's coming out. I know, like Mortal Kombat, and that's it. Yeah, so, I don't know. Whatever. Anywho, Invisible Man, twenty twenty. Yeah, you know, I almost wouldn't watch this movie the first time i saw it why uh well i heard it nothing but great things about it so you know obvi- and it's a horror movie so obviously it's number it's on my radar and it's really big on my radar mm-hmm. but the trailers just made it seem like elizabeth moss is a woman who's in an abusive relationship and then her abuser gets superpowers and like he's just going to torture her for two hours yeah they they really like i really thought that they gave everything away in the trailer yeah, and so I, I think I was either texting the group chat or maybe just Jarrett, saying, like, hey, like, is this movie, like, good? Like, is it more than just a man hitting a woman for 90 <laughs> minutes? Because that is a bummer, and it really, domestic violence really bums me out. I don't think it's fun. Yeah. Except this movie made, this movie made it fun, so. <laughs> Yay! What do I know? Fabulous. Hit your wife, but be invisible when you do it. <laughs> do you have a plot for us? I do. Give us the plot, I wrote it down Kyle. on my phone. Oh, good. I should have had this up and ready. And I'm only going to refer to Elizabeth Moss as Elizabeth Moss. I don't care what her real name is. All right, sounds movie. good. I, I do that a lot. anything different. Yes, you... Uh... I don't like learning names. I'm sorry. I've got a crunchy water bottle today. I thought you were doing bubble wrap and you just had some on hand it's my, my fidget toy i did buy some slime because i feel like i get too fidgety and i stop paying attention whenever i record especially when i'm alone um the, the, uh, remote recording has been really taxing on my uh my brain and just generally my uh train of thought Yes. So that yes, sort of has. sucks. Yes, it has. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure our audience can tell that I'm just like, I sound like I'm checked out. I don't try to be that way. I promise. I'm a big guys. fidgeter too. <laughs> I I need a. Fidget. I used to have a pocket knife. 
I would just constantly just unfold and refold whenever you guys were talking. <laughs> and now I have to I have to record now with it out of reach because I won't stop fidgeting with Aww. it. All right. The Invisible Man, 2020 vision. All right. Elizabeth Moss flees into the night. Why? Her rich tech genius husband is an abuser and a damn fine evil one at that. Moss's new life is starting to come together now that she's fled. Uh, but then she hears that her ex-husband killed himself. Soon after, invisible shenanigans happen to her, happen to and around her, including, but not limited to, fires, missing paper, punches, and murder. She winds up in crazy jail for killing her sister, but she ain't crazy, buddy. She's got an invisible plan to deal with her invisible man. <laughs> I thought of that line, and I spent 20 minutes trying to figure out how to add it to this, because oh, I just love that. Beautiful. It felt I organic. It. All right. Moss uses suicide to damage the invisible man and escape crazy jail. Then she shoots the invisible man in her house, but... We find this out when she takes the hood off. It was the wrong invisible man. Moss's abuser now resurrects in the eyes of society and tries to reconcile. But when he's turned down, he falls into a spiral of depression and violently slits his own throat. The end. Well, he didn't do that. She did. No, no. I saw the camera. It was clearly his own hand. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Which, no, no. She should not have gotten away with that murder especially when it's now scientific fact that invisible suits exist. Uh That is very clearly someone else doing that in the home where he made the invisible suit. Like there's bound to be a spare. Oh yeah. Maybe that's what, that's why they didn't make a sequel is because Elizabeth Moss is now in jail for (laughs) invisible murder. She could be like, I don't know if it was just like her friend saw everything. And so he was able to be like, no, he did it. It was him. Yeah. Or like I don't I mean, know if, if the, were... I don't know if the camera footage that they had was crisp enough for him to for it to be obvious that he didn't actually do it. I don't know if she's going to get rid of all the evidence that any that that suit exists. Well, I mean just the idea that someone could be eating dinner with his wife and then out of the blue, like not even, there's no one else in the room with him, just knife up, knife, knife across throat and dead. Like that's just a very yeah weird way to kill yourself. It is. It's very dramatic though. And that seems to be the type of person that he is, you know? Yeah. I'll give you that. Oh, Adrian. I really love, um, Elizabeth Moss is really good at being, um, at acting like traumatized in any role that she's in, I feel like every time I see her in anything and I haven't even seen the handmaid's tale, she's like (laughs) screaming and like sad and crying. That's it. I agree. Yeah. She, she plays a sad woman. Well, yes. Just like Tony Collette. Yes. They have the same energy as actresses. I also like, um, Oliver Jackson Cohen too. He was on, uh, both the haunting of Hill house and the haunting of Bly Manor. Um, that's the guy who plays Adrian right? yeah um, okay. and yeah he's a, he's a great actor I loved him in this he was oh, terrifying yeah. um, he's also pretty creepy in the haunting of series as well um, I'm a fan yeah. of those I'll tell you given the way they're presented in film and te- television any tall you know kind of muscular man with like a little bit of stubble is immediately threatening to me and I don't trust him. Oh no. Why is that? You're tall and I mean, you just have like, a beard. I have a beard. I don't have, you know, that like at the end of the movie he has that kind of it's growing out but it's not really thick yet kind of facial hair. Yeah, I understand. And just that kind of person that <laughs> demographic is frequently a villain and uh, like yeah, a, you're right. a a me a mean villain, not like a fun villain. Yeah. Ugh. You want to hear some fun facts I, about this movie? Yes. Okay. You know, I, I got a fake fun fact I'll do after your fun facts. Okay. Sounds good. Um, yeah, like we said before, this was originally going to be part of the larger dark universe, but um, Universal fucked up yet again. 
<laughs> over and over do they fuck up. Yeah. Uh, this and The Wolfman are the only R-rated remakes of previous Universal Monster movies. Um, and they're also, in my opinion, the best ones out of all the ones that they've made. And that probably correlates. Do we count... Uh... Was it the water one? Uh, the Shape the of Water? One. No. Shape of Water. Do we count that? No. Okay. That, wasn't, that wasn't a universal movie. Um, but it had the creature from the Black Lagoon. It had a fish man who was based on the creature <laughs> from the Black Lagoon. And this and the entire story was Guillermo del Toro's retelling of that story as more of a Beauty and the Beast type thing. Um, might as well have been, but... Unfortunately, I wish The Shape of Water had been part of the <laughs> universal dark universe. Uh, that would have been so cool. Um, the way that they filmed this movie was outstanding, in my humble opinion. And they used so many... <coughs> there are so many shots where they're panning across a room or they're just using negative space where it's like zoomed out further than it needs to be so that we become as paranoid as Cecilia is constantly throughout this movie um, that he is in the room with her that either he or his brother are in the room with her um, yeah. and sometimes he is occasionally you can see some you see something move you see him take uh, the knife from the uh, the block in the kitchen um, whenever she's cooking, right? Um, and then yeah. he starts the fire. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so unsettling because, yeah, like I said, it makes you as paranoid as she is. It sort of makes you feel yeah. the way that she feels, which I just love. Every shot, you're you're looking yeah. close at everything. Be like, you know, show me the sign that I'm supposed to see. He's there. Like I know you're gonna show it to exactly. me. Exactly. But then they don't. Yeah. And it's like, ah. Uh, he was there, I swear. But I guess if you listen really carefully, you can hear the, you know, like the little sort of like insecty sounds that the cameras on the suit makes, make? Yeah. Um, you can hear that if you listen really carefully anytime he is actually in the room. Even if there is um. no movement, like you don't see any movement, um, because anytime he moves, the suit moves. So you can hear it yeah. um, sometimes if you if you listen really really closely, um, but I feel like you'd have to turn up the volume like way too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess there uh, the DP the cinematographer uh, Stefan Duccio I think is how you pronounce his last name. I'm sorry if I <laughs> pronounced it wrong. Um, Stefan Duccio. <laughs> Duccio. Like it. It's like D U S C I O. Duccio. I don't know italian um but he was apparently really upset whenever the director said that lee, lee wanell right wanell who yeah. also wrote and starred in saw um but yeah cinematographer was upset because uh director said we're gonna make this movie largely in the daytime like with a lot of light around and he was pissed because cinematographers love darkness it's it's i guess it's easier to film a lot of the time <laughs> so the attic scene um that was lit by just like a torch was like his little gift to him so that yeah. you know they could actually film something in the dark yeah we're gonna do it during the day yeah. but i'll tell you what i'll give you an, an extended attic scene it's gonna be one of the better ones mm -hmm. and you can just make that as dark as you want yeah all right, uh, the scene where Cecilia leaves at the beginning. She comes through yes. a whole bunch of pine trees, right? Yeah. Uh, into the road to meet her sister. This movie was filmed in Australia. And it turns out, I didn't know this, pine trees are not native to Australia. So they filmed that specific sequence at a pine tree plantation where they're used for making furniture and christmas trees oh. in australia um because it was i guess it was really hard for them to find places in australia that looked like america um like it was fine for, it was hard for them to find a neighborhood to film in and they also had to get like mailboxes shipped from the united states 
to like put in their yards instead of the ones that they already yeah. had or unless unless they just didn't have mailboxes i don't know how mail works in australia <coughs> i'm not sure u.s post service doesn't deliver to australia that's outside their border <laughs> nobody gets oh, mailed love, on us i love the idea of just like that kind of i'm gonna call it a fun problem where this thing we have in america it's everywhere we don't even think about it suddenly it's gone when you go to australia and you didn't even realize it and you're scrambling like i need a goddamn pine tree like somebody <laughs> yeah. ship them in from the u.s or something yeah that's crazy um so they i i guess uh the director said that if they had shot that sequence during the day we would have noticed that the trees were all planted like in very neat rows and it was very clearly like not an actual forest i believe it yeah yeah um all right, last little thing I want to talk about. Um, they used a robotic camera rig that could be programmed to shoot with like exact timing and movement more than once, like this the same exact like pan or like movement um, for multiple shots, so that they could have one take with a stuntman in a green suit. Or just a regular stuntman fighting with Elizabeth Moss. And then they could take, without actors, take the same shot and do it over again so that they could easily take him out of the shot so that it would make oh. it look like she was fighting with an invisible man. Uh, that uh, technology, that camera technology <laughs> was invented on the set of Back to the Future Part 2 uh, because they... <laughs> had they they had to come up with a creative way to have uh michael j fox play all his different family members without it looking being just like straight on like everything in the exact same yeah. place they wanted it to like pan and stuff so that's how they did it they you know had the camera move at the exact same way at the exact same time for multiple shots while he was playing multiple different characters in the shot. <laughs> and you just like splice them over each other and it's the same thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. But I just, I reading about that, I was like, they use that on Back to the Future. I just learned, <laughs> learned that fact like a few weeks ago after I'd watched it. Ugh, that movie's so sad. Back to the Future 2 is just so bleak. Yeah, like, and so accurate. Like, the world is, in fact, going to be a yeah, shithole. Really? The world is going to be run by Donald Trump. Like, they didn't even thinly <laughs> veil that one. They're like, Biff is Trump. Biff Tower. Biff Tower. Yeah. All right. So my fake fun fact was going to be that they actually did design an invisibility suit for use in this movie. <laughs> they painted it green, and they... <laughs> They used it on to make Elizabeth Moth fight an invisible man. Incredible. If you think about it, this movie is more science than fiction. Oh, boy. Yeah, you might be right. Oh, I'm right. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've thought long and hard about this. Oh, I spent the goodness. afternoon contemplating. Of course you did. I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you put so Me? much time and effort into this <laughs> program that we do. I really do. <laughs> um, what was your favorite part in this movie? Oh, it's it's hard to pick a favorite because, like I said, I don't like domestic violence. It does make me uncomfortable. Uh -huh. But also, I loved watching Indivisible Man do it. So, like, <laughs> Kyle. Like the, I mean, I think the very best scene in the movie is the the restaurant scene where she's confiding in her sister. So oh like, hey, God. I know it seems crazy, yeah. but like you have to trust me. I've ha found evidence. You and me, girl, you know, we're, we're doing this all the way. And the sister's like, I believe you. I'm going to work with you. Like this is the shining ray of light in your increasingly dismal existence. Mm -hmm. And then just pan over this a knife in the air, slash hand. It's done. That hope is severed forever. Oh, God. It and it's like so it hurts so much i know it's so scary like all of a sudden she it was it was just something that i never nobody saw it coming like i wish i could have seen that part in the theater so that people could react to it 
so I could see yeah. people react to it besides just me, like, sitting there with Taylor next to me, like, ha <laughs> <laughs> It's like the hand at the end of Carrie. Like, that's that equivalent for this movie. Yeah. Um, her, uh, her sister was so mean. Yeah. I... I had a lot of expectations for this movie that were just completely flipped by the end of the movie. Um, like, I guess she and her sister just didn't have a very close relationship, right? Like that. Yeah. That could be. Like. Like I think it was like she was getting her to so to pick cold. her up on the roadside. Yeah. Like that was like that was a huge thing for them. Like, like not even sure she's going to do it kind of thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think this was supposed to be the start of their reconciliation, but then there was that email tomfoolery. Yeah. And like that, that's the thing. Like, I guess because they're not that close, she was apprehensive about that email. But like, if I received a really just mean letter or email from my sister, Personally, in my my relationship with my sister, if I received an email like that from Emily and it was like, I never want to see you again, like you should have died instead of whomever, like I'm assuming it was like their parents or whatever. If I received something that mean from my sister and then like a couple hours later, she shows up. At my door after telling me she never wants to talk to me ever again. And she's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I would automatically assume that she didn't write it. That's it was something fishy was going on. You know, I would trust her enough to where like, I know my sister doesn't have these like crazy manic episodes. I know her. She's, you know. Yeah, she's my sister. Like, yeah. I, I grew up with her. I know her well enough to detect severely, you know, aberrant behavior. Like, yeah. this email. Yeah, and I know that it would upset me, but, like, it, I just, I don't know. That that was the one, there, <coughs> there are a lot of uh, uh, reviews about this movie on IMDb. If you go on the IMDb page for this film, there are so many reviews that are, like, 5 out of 10 and under because of all the apparent plot holes in this movie that like i didn't really pick up on like i, I yeah if, if you go through this with a fine-tooth comb some of the things don't make sense like the this email i mean the fact that an invisible man in any public space is going to be bumped into constantly yeah um there's you can go through it and either decide like oh this shouldn't have happened or this is dumb or the way i went through it was like oh no he's just that good at being evil yeah. like he can craft an email that sounds so much like you know, Elizabeth Moss, that her sister will believe it. He can navigate rooms so perfectly that no one touches him until he's ready for it. Yeah, I guess so. Because, But I just, like, the distrust and disdain that her sister seemed to have for her was just really disheartening and sad. And so when her sister died, it was shocking. That was terrifying. And really just, yeah, the the scare in this movie, you know, but I wasn't really that sad about it because her sister was such a bitch to her, like for the entire movie up until that point. Yeah. I would say the more like the, like I was sad about it only because like Elizabeth Moss has suffered for like, let's let's say this happened at the 45 minute mark. Yeah. Elizabeth Moth has suffered. She's been going crazy. She's having a meltdown caused by an invisible man Mm -hmm. and she knows it, but no one else does. And she, the second she gets someone to believe her, like that's, you know, from there you build up and you get proof and then you, you know, you, this is her way to win. Mm-hmm. And just to have that then immediately be taken from her with so much of just like, oh, here's a piece of candy, yoink. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it got me. And this is the fact, the actual like killing of it, it happens so quickly. Yeah. Like I was, ex- I was kind of expecting something like that at some point in the movie. Like he already punched that one girl and framed Elizabeth Moss for yeah. it. So I was expecting something like that where, oh, next time she's near somebody, he's going to do some shenanigans. Mm -hmm. But just to go from straight to just almost superhuman levels of kill and then frame with that knife is, oh, it was so perfectly done. I love it. Yeah. It's it's so scary. So good. 
Um, this people were talking about the scene where um, she hits Sydney too and they were like Sydney knew that she wasn't near her like why would she blame her whatever she was the only other person in the room with her yeah she's a kid like I I don't know you don't go from zero to invisible man like in five seconds flat you go to no this lady in this room punched me yeah she seems a little unhinged lately it seems like she might go a little crazy and hit me you know um I mean in theory has how much how well does Sydney know Elizabeth Moss like if she's been in a horrible controlling relationship for the past however many years, does she know this daughter of her friend? I'm assuming yes. Um, I, I, what I'm assuming is that they were really close before and then she sort of slowly. I'm willing to bet that she was very close with Sydney when she was a kid and then maybe around the time she turned like 11 or 12, she sort of started falling off their radar because she was in this abusive relationship with um with adrian who was pulling her away from all of her friends and family you know okay yeah because i because like if my dad's best friend you know came to stay over and he started talking crazy and then somehow i got punched in the face i would assume my dad's probably crazy friend did it like it's (laughs) it's fully believable even even if the physics are a gray area Yeah. yeah exactly um so yeah, you know you know what I you know what I absolutely love about this movie. Before I forget, um, what? I love the opening sequence from start yes. to finish, like until she gets in her sister's car and they leave. Um, and then it sucks. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but th- yeah, that whole from the very beginning, um, to yeah, that 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 entire opening sequence, whatever she's trying to get out. What I love about that is that all of our expectations are completely just thrown out the fucking window. You know, the the close up on Adrian, you expect his eyes to open. His eyes don't open. All the like mirrors, you know, you expect to see him in one of the mirrors. He's not in any of the mirrors. Um, She gets out. She gets away. And you expect him, you know, to come after her. You expect him to you know, beat the shit out of her and, you know, hold her captive for a little while longer. You know what I mean? But she gets away at the beginning of the movie and we didn't have to see any of that abuse. We didn't have to, they didn't show it to us. We never saw him. I mean, obviously we saw him, sort of saw him hit her, um, try to, you know, kill her or whatever, um, whenever he was invisible. But that beginning sequence we didn't have to see him rape her it was implied we didn't have to see him beat her up it was implied we don't have to see it in order for us to believe our victim and i love that we're getting to that point in film because i'm so fucking tired like i don't need to see a rape scene i don't need to see someone beating the shit out of a woman or a kid or whomever a man in that you know regardless i don't have to see domestic abuse to know that it's happening if you are a good enough storyteller you know yeah i mean those first like what was it five seven minutes that perfectly like i know exactly what's going on in this story now just from you know the way she's you know drug drugged him to get away she's sneaking everywhere she's not stealing from him she's just getting her you know go bag and running yes there are cameras everywhere that she has that only he has the password to theoretically Mm -hmm. that she has to shut down like it's and he's a tech billion he's a tech billionaire so we know he's probably evil in some way (laughs) but it's it's so i I don't maybe minimalist is the wrong word but i'm gonna say that just we see it we know exactly what's happening there's no gratuity that needs to happen yeah when you can use Uh, like a lack of when you can take away context um like actual like exposition that we're seeing you can take that away there's no music in that sequence and there's very very little dialogue and we still know exactly what's going on that's perfect visual storytelling that entire first what five minutes of the movie it's perfect. It's so good. Um, this movie, it, it starts off, it grabs you right away, and it just, 
it tells you like oh I, like Tom Cruise isn't gonna fight a mummy demon like no this is actual storytelling like this is yeah we're making the Invisible Man real and he's gonna be a real person and it's real problems it's perfect yeah um, so regardless of whatever plot holes people have to like complain about this movie about complain about regarding this movie I should say um, it's 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 really good and it keeps you. Yeah. You know. I mean, there are, there are plot holes that bug me about movies. And, like, in this one, if there's a plot hole, it's just like, oh, I'll laugh about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to make this movie any less good. Exactly. Yeah, like, I don't... Every movie has plot holes. Every movie is not going to be perfect. You can always find... You know, Back to the Future is full of plot holes, but it's a classic and people still love it. Yeah. Like, if something is that unrealistic to you, fine. Whatever. And, and like, you can't get beyond it. Whatever. Maybe that movie's just not for yeah. you and you should continue just watching documentaries or whatever. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, just sit back and have fun. This movie is meant to be fun. And it ends on a good note. You know? Back to the Future, yeah. I know. <laughs> Back to the well, Future I... does. Yeah, you're right. Well, when you said this movie is fun, like, well, this movie is good. I don't know if it's fun. It's, yeah, it's not fun, but it's like a roller coaster. It's, it's. Yes. Not it's necessarily. It's, it, it's a fun watch. It's like fun from, I guess, a film fan's standpoint where you can sort of look beyond just like the plot and the story and what's happening and you can see like the special effects that they're using um, because throughout this entire movie, I was like, how did they do that? How did they do that? What's going on? Subverting my expectations at every turn. Stop it. In this Stop it, movie. <laughs> Let me know what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that this movie is like the king of subverting people's expectations. Um, Have you seen The Hunt? No. You should watch that. Okay. And just compare it with the king of subverting expectations okay that sounds familiar what's that about a bunch of rich people hunt poor people for sport oh okay that sounds fun i think it's it's out somewhere on some xfinity channel oh i don't have xfinity anymore (sighs) it might be on hbo okay cool but i mean find it somewhere and just yeah Th- think of that, the king of subverting expectations as you're watching it. Okay. I don't want to spoil anything. All right, cool. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, no, yeah, and I... Yeah. I... I uh, Kaylee and I uh, discussed this movie on Glitter and Gore for our um, season finale last season. So I had a lot to say about specifically just the role of Cecilia and the rest of the women in this movie, but I love that this movie ended on a good note for her. I love that she was able to fight hard enough for herself and the safety of her friends uh, in order to come out on top. Yeah. I'm so fucking tired of seeing a movie where a woman is just abused and you know, what have you for an hour and a half. And then she ends up dying at the end, or she ends up in an asylum at the end. Um, because nobody will still believe her. Um, sort of like, yeah, like, or she just like succumbs to whatever sort of, you know, like whenever he was in at the end of the movie, you know, whenever he's like, well, you can, you can stay with me and all these problems will go away, you know? Um, it could have been a very like Stepford Wives ending where she finally succumbs to whatever has been harming her this entire time just so she can be comfortable. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Stepford Wives, Rosemary's Baby, uh, that sort of genre of film where <laughs> there's just a girl screaming for an hour and a half and being terrorized. And then she's like, oh, it's not so bad. That's yeah, fine. We'll just keep I mean, I get sushi doing. whenever I want to, so he can just be mean to me if he wants. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie, I was so hoping that that wouldn't happen at the end of this movie. And I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't because I was counting the amount of people who were close to her that were dying 
And it's not a lot. Her sister dies. Her sister dies. But... Yeah. Isn't that about it? Yeah. I was really expecting, like, uh, uh, James or Sydney to die too i was like oh god no get away and i you care about these characters you really give a shit about everyone in this movie um everyone whose side you're supposed to be on in this movie you know and so the fact that her sister died and nobody else died um made me feel good about the ending even more because like i mean obviously she's gonna be sad that her sister is dead but um (laughs) but this isn't the end for her she can still exactly she can still recover and get through the death of her sister without having lost everyone who was close to her at the end of the movie yeah and And it that's it's definitely nice an an upbeat kind of ending yeah like yeah theoretically like she now has millions of dollars and a beautiful fucking house i mean (laughs) Just, you know, have have the cop and his kid move in with her and then they just live off of his millions for the rest of their lives. Exactly. And I, I don't know. And it, the, the ending felt like almost like um, the end of Get Out when her cop friend shows up. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was he was kind of there the whole time, but um, it, it had a very I didn't see anything sort of yeah. <laughs> vibe like at the end of Get Out. So that was... Uh, that made me feel good. Yeah. It, it's a feel. It's a after so much just suspense and just being jerked around by the director of this movie. Yeah. It feels really good at the end when there's like a finite ending and it feels complete, as opposed to her being murdered, sad for or carried off in a straitjacket. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. See, I like. I like that the ending isn't just like she's struggling with a killer and manages to stab him in the heart by luck. Mm-hmm. No, this is like she has a plan. She beats him. Mm-hmm. She looks him in the eyes. He's dying. So they both know yeah. I won. She chooses the such... stake on purpose. Oh, yeah. So that she has the knife. Oh, and it's so much more good. Like, I feel so much better for her knowing that she <laughs> didn't just survive. Like, she beat him at his own game. She knew exactly what she was doing better the entire time. And it's so refreshing that she's not yeah. just like ah, help me you know feminist yeah. icon elizabeth moss's character <laughs> cecilia i think her name is yeah yeah um isn't it crazy that elizabeth moss always plays these like awesome feminist icons when she's a scientologist uh i didn't see that last bit coming i did not know she was a scientologist <laughs> yeah Bummer. i'm like in the handmaid's tale she plays someone who's like trying to get out of this like crazy cult that oppresses women well not just a cult that's society yeah and it's like that's how scientology is run you don't see the correlation it's weird i don't know maybe she's rich and famous enough that she gets to be one of the well-treated scientologists i suppose you might be right Ugh, oh. gross but yeah, she's from what I can from what I know from her from like she's done nothing but bangers for the past few years. She's, like she is yeah. a rising star. Even her like little part in um, Us was so good. Yes, Wine Mom. Oh, I forgot that she was in that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so funny. Oh, Elizabeth Moss, you're a treasure. She is like I. She's a great actress, and she's yeah, she's got Tony Collette energy, which I appreciate and love. I would say she has upbeat Tony Collette energy yes. where they're both suffering women. Yes. But I don't think Tony Collette can get out of it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she's Tony Collette's not a winner in my eyes. Elizabeth Moss is. <laughs> Tony Collette was good in um in Knives Out. She she was fun. Did you see Knives Out? Yeah. I did, but like I'm trying to remember exactly what her role was. She was kind of bitch in that movie, but like it was still. But good. she didn't win. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh yeah, true. she's always good. Like I always like seeing her, but I just can't imagine her not being sad. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. She's just like distraught or angry. Yeah. Like in the Sixth Sense, she's like the mom in Sixth Sense, right? Is she? Mm-hmm. She's his mom. I did not know that. Yeah, she's been around well, for a, a while. I feel like she's really starting to get her like 
people are really starting to appreciate her and i love that for her and they should yeah yes anyway <laughs> i got another scene i want to talk about Ooh, yeah continue it doesn't really fit the rest of the movie the hallway scene with all the cops yeah but it helped to it helped to calm me down <laughs> where he went from being a manipulative you know supervillain who can't be stopped to a regular supervillain like he's just he's now kung fuing cops in the hallway and killing them it's like oh no this guy's gonna lose okay that's mm-hmm. good he's not gonna eat. yeah yeah i know what you mean and it's it's really sad though like watching her try to help all these like security guards and cops yeah. and like doctors he's behind right? you and then he looks at the wrong second and then it's not there yeah it, it, like just w- watching her watch him just murder all these people is so sad yeah. it's very intense and it's um it's kind of fun to watch it's cool cool action you know that's that can't be debated it's just it's a fun action scene yes. but it's also in the context it's sad in the greater scheme of the movie it doesn't quite fit his character i don't remember him being a green beret or anything so yeah like was he training for this like did he know that she was gonna leave him <laughs> i don't know it doesn't really fit and correct me if i'm wrong was he making this invisible suit for the military or just because no i think it was just because he wanted to um i mean okay. regardless of how good of a fighter you are if the person who you're fighting can't see you you have an insane amount yes. of advantage over them you yeah, know like if you see a punch coming even if you're not even if you know it's going to hit you 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 flex or you know you yeah. i can't think of the word you prepare yourself for the hit even a little bit but just being sucker punched completely out of the blue uh-huh. is gonna hurt you so much more exactly oh and when i was watching it this time i was paying a little extra attention i don't think he killed all of them unless i don't think so either he's like super strong but that one like at the end he takes the gun he's pointing it at him and he says bang uh-huh at at that point he's like i'm thinking like okay by my personal body count he's at zero you know he, he just disarmed and disabled these cops Maybe he won't kill this guy and he's just messing with him. That would fit his character. And then he turned around and just popped him in the back as his way out. That was so sad. <laughs> I was like, no. I, tr- I truly believe that guy was going to make it, but then bang. Yeah. There was such a like glimmer of hope, you know, whenever they would finally realize that she was not lying and they would realize that there was somebody, you know, some invisible entity trying to harm them. She'd yeah. help them, and then they would die, or at least get <laughs> severely beaten. Uh, it's yeah. it's kind of sad. And she's got to be thinking like, "Oh, it's a it's a hallway full of cops. They're under attack. They know it. Mm-hmm. All they need to see is him flicker in and out of existence once, maybe twice, and they're just going to light this hallway up with bullets, yeah. and one of them's going to hit him. Yeah. And just watching that not happen. Yeah. Until... It's got to be so just. Well, he starts kind of glitching because why uh she stabbed him with the pen oh yeah 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 so you can see him very briefly like a little bit and then when she's you know she runs outside and you can kind of see him then um i i kind of like that they were able to sort of disarm him in that way yeah give a a chance to the the other people yeah yeah, exactly. Because making him completely sort of immortal in the sense of like where the movie is going isn't fun for the audience. Um, yeah. Being there has there has to be a chance exactly that the Invisible Man is gonna have trouble with these cops for whatever reason. Yes. Otherwise, it's just watch these cops go into a meat grinder. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Uh, yeah. I liked. Uh, even the bad scenes in this movie are good. Yeah, I liked. I liked when um, when she calls her calls his brother a jellyfish, and in the next scene, she's got uh, Sydney has a jellyfish on her shirt. And that's <laughs> meant to imply that it's Tom who's in the suit whenever she gets attacked, not Adrian. I didn't really. I just assumed that that was like, oh, like she just said jellyfish earlier, and now there's a jellyfish. I get it, whatever. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, re- I was reading about it and I was like, oh yeah, duh. Cause it's actually, 
it's Tom, not Adrian, in the suit. Um, and I think both of them at that point are attacking her. There was there was some big long thing on IMDb, and I'm gonna try to look it up right now, uh, just so I can properly read it. Sorry about this, Jarrett. Please just edit all of this out. Um, let me find it. Oh, okay. Here, there's this big, long kind of wallet of text that I wanted to read. Um, Hit me. It says, how did Cecilia know for certain that Adrian really was the one behind it all and not Tom as he claimed? There are three clear signs. After Cecilia stabs Adrian with the pen during the hospital scene, his suit glitches continuously while Tom is wearing a suit that isn't glitching and just as importantly, doesn't appear to be even slightly wet, despite the assailant being drenched at the hospital. Also, even though she is hot on his tail, the invisible man manages somehow to beat Cecilia back to James's house by a wide enough margin to attack both Sydney and James, who had to get from his precinct to his house after receiving Cecilia's warning call long before Cecilia arrives to save them both. Um, this second point would only work if Tom was actually already at James's house beforehand, likely waiting for the go ahead from his brother to kill Sydney. Likewise, the extra time would have been uh, would have allowed Adrian to return to his house, stow the suit, seal himself in the basement, and tie himself up before the police arrived. The third point is that after Tom is killed, a police team enters Adrian's house and finds Adrian calling for help through the walls. Nothing of the sort is heard earlier in the film when Cecilia was snooping through. There are also a few smaller hints that both Adrian and Tom have been playing the invisible man. Uh including when Cecilia pours white paint over her attacker, he runs away. And when he attacks her again in the kitchen, not a trace of paint, which would take lots of time to remove is seen on him. Um, Oh, I thought that was a plot hole. Yeah. Same brother moment. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't realize until later on. I was like, Oh yeah, (laughs) it was both of them. Um, when Sydney sprays her attacker, uh, she flees away from him only to run into the other invisible man in the hall. And finally, at the end, Adrian says to Cecilia, I know you better than anyone else in the world. I mean, that could, shouldn't come as a surprise. He clearly emphasizes the word surprise, taunting her with the fact that it was him who texted that word to her in the attic and also said it out loud after she was drugged and placed in her cell. The end. I would say my one disagreement with that was um, the one when the Sydney's running down the hall and quote-unquote bumps into the other invisible man mm-hmm. i thought that was the first invisible man recovered like grabbed her hair from behind or something and just stopped her that would have to be that would i need to let me rewind the film and we'll go through it frame by frame and we'll see the impact mark on sydney we'll figure out where the pressure's coming from uh-huh oh yeah but other than that yeah that all makes sense also i don't think tom has a reason to hate elizabeth moss does he maybe he's just like a dick (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i i like the idea that elizabeth moss knows it's adrian all the time because who else but adrian yeah even when there's evidence that there's two of them in her mind it's like adrian plus one no matter what yeah i got a text message text message was it from you no I don't think so. No, it's it's for my family about dinner. Is it ready? (laughs) (laughs) No, we're doing our own. Oh, cool. Uh, All right. Well, um, I think I've wrapped up everything that I wanted to talk about with this movie. I'm sure I I feel like I could go on for another like 15 minutes just ranting about how much I like this movie. But I really like it. And I know that this is episode five. Um, so we don't typically rank these ones, but oh. I would definitely... Oh my God. What? I just thought of something. What? Um, I was going to do a bit at the, at the top of the episode to explain that the Invisible Man is in fact a vampire, figuratively, <laughs> not literally. Oh, no. And I forgot about it until this second. I even told you before we started I wanted to do something like that. Uh, I'm so sorry. Well, I feel like an idiot. Okay, so it's the Invisible Man. He's 
he's a vampire because he is, you know, figuratively sucking the life out of Elizabeth Moss. Uh-huh. Uh, he doesn't show up in mirrors. Uh-huh. Uh, he hates garlic. Um, it's a small line, but when they're eating dinner, he says that. Boy, I hate garlic. Hiss. Does he? No. <laughs> but we're going to pretend. I'm so sorry. Oh, gosh. Who's paying attention to the menu in that scene? You're looking at Elizabeth Moss. Um, <laughs> and I, I had a fourth one, but it's gone now. Uh, he, oh, yeah, in his house, he has to sleep in a coffin filled with his own burial dirt. <laughs> if, you, if you look closely in the opening scene when Elizabeth Moss is getting out of bed, mm-hmm. uh, there's a trail of dirt that follows behind her because ah, her husband is in the coffin. Of course. And she's on the mattress. I did not notice that. It's a small detail, oh, okay. but it's very important to the to the plot. Oh, of course. <laughs> also, we never see Adrian in the sunlight. <gasps> what? I just thought of that one. Yeah. And also, he has fangs. Good night, everybody. <laughs> and also, he doesn't drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Yes, he I does. watched the Gary Oldman Dracula, and he says that, and it's such a fun, stupid line. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I need to watch that movie. I haven't seen it in years. And I don't think I was fully ever... paying attention to it. Have you ever watched the uh, Dracula miniseries on Netflix? No. Is it good? Oh, yeah. It's from the guy who did uh, Doctor Who. Oh, He's always good. cool. He does a lot of, maybe not a lot, I can think of two examples, but he likes Universal Monsters. He did a uh, Dr. Jekyll series before he did Doctor oh, Who, okay. I think. okay. That's fun. Neat. Yeah. I, I'm <clears throat> trying to, ang- I was thinking of angling for that for our fifth episode, the D- Dracula miniseries, mm-hmm. or at least the first episode, because it's three episodes. They're all an hour and a half long. Oh, so okay. It's, one episode's technically a so movie. three films. Yeah. Cool. But we'll, we'll we'll work that in somewhere else. Okay. It's really good. And I think it's worth One talking day. about. But for now, that's it for Vampire Month. Yes. Thank you for joining us for the Invisible Vampire. The Vampire Man. <laughs> Except he's the Vampire Man. Also, he's invisible. <laughs> Ooh. Spooky. Well, anyways, Kyle, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, I'm going before Cammy. This is a travesty. <laughs> uh, find me on Twitter. Uh, Fievel goes west. F I E V A L goes west. All one word. I've been posting a lot of movie mashup bullshit, and it's really, oh my it's God, really it's fun to do. So funny. Ugh, genius. Oh. So I married a million bears. That was, was my favorite. Was my favorite. <laughs> uh, you can also, if you feel so inclined, to give us money because you've absorbed our content. Don't feel obligated, but we'd appreciate it. Donate to our Patreon at Spooky Time Podcast at patreon.com. You'll find us. We're the only Spooky Time Podcast there. Donate $5. You get like 11 bonus shows of varying lengths, plus a new show every couple of weeks. It's it's great. You're going to love them. Yeah, you will. We promise. You'll hear me talk more. <laughs> and isn't that just what everyone wants? Uh, everyone who doesn't live in a house with me. Aha. Interesting. Cammy. Yes. Where are you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Magic Ghost Baby. Uh, Jared's not here, but you can find him on Instagram at Daddy underscore Dangerfield. That's Daddy with an I. And then I believe he's Jared underscore Miller on Twitter. Um, right? I'm getting so many flashbacks of his changing usernames. I cannot possibly tell you. <laughs> That's probably it. it. It'll be in the show notes. Don't worry. Um, yeah. Uh, if you want to fo- follow us as a show, as a network on uh, Instagram or Twitter, you can find us on Instagram at Spooky Time Network. And you can find us on Twitter at Spooky Time Net. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a few oh, weeks. Oh, wait. Were we going to rate this? I just. No, nah, we don't. I, we don't have to. I want to give this one yeah. a five. I would do it five, too. Just real, real quick. Five golden things beautiful yeah all right we will see you in a couple weeks what are we doing then cammy i don't know kyle do you know do you remember what we're doing no we haven't decided but i'm gonna pitch strong for one of my kookier ideas all right cool maybe we should ask our followers what we what we should do give them uh options contact us in any way and frankly we'll probably just do whatever you say (laughs) talk to us yeah (laughs) 
We love the interaction. We do, yeah. It gives us life. It feeds us. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you in a couple weeks, folks. Yes. Kissing your ear. Bye. I'm the invisible man. I'm the invisible man. Incredible how you can. Hear me too.